Good evening. I'm going to pray. Let's go. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you that you're so good to us that you've given it to us in a way that we can uh, read it and understand it. And so as we do tonight, as we um, look into what you have to say, please give us humble hearts and through your spirit, uh, speak to us in a way that will convict, encourage and draw us closer to Jesus. Amen. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. I'd love you to participate. What, what are some things you like to gather around? Right? People. You might gather around a person, yeah? So it could be a super charismatic person. We just gather around them. We see them and, yeah? Maybe people just are attracted to them. Food. We like to gather around food. How goes that? You have a table. Everyone sits there. Yeah? A dinner table. Yeah. It's good to gather around a dinner table. Hey, eat together, hang out, have a chat. Fire. Yep. You put a fire in a backyard and dudes just like... Maybe ladies as well, but especially dudes, like, you just stand there, like, looking at a fire and talking. It's pretty cool. Uh, that was a coffee, by the way. Um, what, what else do we like to gather around? Sorry? Tea. Drinking tea. Yes, we can gather around a communal teapot. Yeah, and, 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 have, and have a pour it out. Yeah. Good. Gathering around tea. I used to work at a school. Yes. Yeah, watching sport, big time, hey. So it's usually a television. Uh, everyone will gather around a television or a sporting field and you gather. One of the most profound moments of community I've felt in my life was after the 2014 grand final uh, where Souths um, won. I was like in the literal back row of ANZ Stadium, but I didn't care because I just joined in the chance of hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands singing glory, glory to South Sydney, right? Uh, it, w- it was powerful. We gathered around um, this uh, this wonderful thing that probably won't happen again for a long time. Um, <laughs> anything else you might gather around? Yes? Yeah, you might gather around people who are suffering. You get there, show some empathy. Uh, gather around people who are in pain and suffering. That's a good one. It's a positive one. I used to work at a school, and anytime you saw a gathering, it was an all-boys school, anytime you saw a gathering of like, people... You just knew something cool was happening, right? Um, so whether, whether it was a fight or a drawing on the ground that shouldn't have been there or whatever, um, we, we're just attracted to gathering. We, we like people. We like community. We don't like to be alone. And, and, and if there's something for us to gather around, we're going to gather around it. Uh, that's, that's, how, that's how life works for us as human beings. Uh, and that's why God has set up the church in such a way, to, to gather around the Bible. Uh, when we do gather, that's what we gather around. Like it might be, yeah, wonderful music or good coffee or nice conversations, but, but really the thing at the centre of our worship, uh, the centre of our gatherings, is this, the Bible. Uh, we're going to look more into that tonight. Um, but I want to ask you is why, why this? Why make such a big deal about this? Some words on a page. Why make such a big deal? Why not centre our gathering around wonderful conversation, or uh, nice people, or good music, or good food. Why is this number one in our series of four about our core values of our church gathering? We're going to look into that tonight. As NBC, we see the Bible as the voice of God, right? It's the voice of God. It's written through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, revealing God himself to us through Jesus Christ. And that's why we gather around the, the Bible, because when we're gathering around the Bible, we're actually gathering around Jesus. This is our revelation of Jesus. This is how we can understand God through Jesus Christ. And so it's a big deal. 
Like I prayed before, we don't need to guess about God. We don't need to make it up. We don't need to wait for a sign or a revelation. It is all revealed to us clearly in the pages of our Bible. And how kind and gracious of God to say, here I am. This is me. Everything you need to know about me is right here, right here at your fingertips, translated into a language that you can read and understand so that you may know me and love me and have your life transformed. I think that's cool. And if, if that's true, then we ought to make a big deal about the Bible uh, and about its place in our Sunday gatherings. The passage we just had read earlier was from Second Timothy it's a letter written by Paul to, uh, to Timothy, uh, who was a young church leader, right? And, and in the letter, he gives instructions on how to lead a church, how to lead a church gathering. And so I think it's a good place for us to look because it deals with those issues. It, it deals with the place of Scripture in the life of the church. In this passage, Paul does a couple of things. He, he talks about the power of God's Word, but then he talks about the pastor's responsibility in handling God's Word as well. So we're going to look at those two things tonight, the power of God's word and, and, and the responsibility of the pastors and the elders in the church with handling it. And then we're going to briefly look at how we at NBC are going to do that, are going to discharge that uh, duty faithfully, right? So let's have a look at the power of the Bible. Please be open to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 4 as we go through it, because I'm going to be going through this passage. The first, the first thing that really jumps out from this is that the Bible is powerful. It's powerful. Why? The Bible's powerful because it can bring us to salvation. Think about that. The Bible is powerful because it can bring us to salvation. Have a look at verse 15 in chapter 3. He's, he's telling him to continue listening to the people. Uh, how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, this, this doesn't save us, Right? but it introduces us to the God who does. It is able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The written word of God shows us how to be made right with God. Uh, Paul expands on it uh, in another point in his ministry in Romans, but chapter 10, verse 17, he says, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. How are you going to be saved? How are you going to have faith? How are you going to understand Jesus? It's through hearing the word about Christ. All of the Bible points towards it. Uh, you might think back to John chapter 5 where uh, Jesus is having stern words with the Pharisees and he says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that point toward me, Jesus said. But yeah, you can find eternal life in them because they point towards Jesus. The entirety of scripture from the beginning to the end lays out the gospel, the good news, the story that we were made to be one with God but as individuals and as communities, we've rebelled. We've gathered around the wrong things, haven't we? We've broken that relationship. We've broken the world. We continue to break one another. But Jesus, God's only son, came to die, take the punishment that we deserve so we can be made right with God again. And it tells us that if we have faith in him, faith in what you learn and understand in here, we are forgiven. We're brought into God's kingdom uh, where we can live a new and beautiful life and start working towards this new eternal home that God has destined us for. God's Word is powerful because it teaches us that. God's Word is powerful because it shows us how it can be made right with God. That's one of the reasons why I'm excited about it. Another good reason why we should be excited, another reason for its power is it's God-breathed. Have a look in verse 16 again. It's God-breathed. Paul says this, all Scripture is God-breathed. 
All scripture is God breathed. In the original Greek, it just says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Right? In Greek, the word breath and spirit, you may have heard this before, same word. And so the Holy Spirit there, we're getting this idea, the Holy Spirit is behind what we read. He's the author. Yes, it was written down by humans, but it was inspired by the Spirit of God. It was the Spirit of God that inspired and enabled and equipped the humans uh, who wrote it to write down the very words of God. And so what we have before us is the very Word of God, the very breath of God, delivered by the Spirit of God. And that's the source of its power. It's not powerful because people have trusted it for thousands of years. It's not powerful because it works in our lives. It's powerful because it's the breath of God. It's spoken forth from God's lips. But Paul also says that the Bible's powerful because it's useful. So yeah, it is, it is the breath of God. It is what makes us able to be saved. Uh, but it's actually also useful. Have a look at verses 16 and 17. He says, all scripture is God-breathed. And he says this, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible's not just some lofty, divinely inspired religious text. It's not there to help us feel enlightened or, you know, special or give us special insight and knowledge for the sake of special insight and knowledge. It's actually useful. It's practical. And Paul shows what studying the Bible is going to achieve. He says in verse 17, so that a servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you feel thoroughly equipped for every good work? That's a pretty big call, isn't it? And Paul's talking specifically here about a minister. That's what the servant of God is. Um, uh, But like with most things that apply to ministers, they apply to all of us as well. Uh, He wants us to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, It will equip us to live out our lives as Christians, loving, serving God and others. What's it useful for? Well, he says it's useful for teaching. It means causing others to understand God's truth. It's useful for rebuking, which is convicting people uh, when they're doing the wrong thing. It's useful for correction. Correction is when you see them doing the wrong thing, you rebuke them and you tell them how to get back on track. And it's useful for training in righteousness. It teaches you how to live a Christ-like life. It gives you advice on how to live in step with the Spirit. So the Bible's useful. It teaches us the truth about God. It teaches us how to live for Him. Uh, it's useful because without it, we actually can't know God. We can't know how to live for Him. We can't be made right with Him without the understanding we gain about Him from the Scriptures. God's Word is powerful. I want to give you an example. It's from a lady called Natasha. Uh, she comes to our Wednesday Kid Time playgroup. Uh, quick ad if you don't know every Wednesday from 9.30 to 11.30 we have a play group here uh, only about three months from church come and the rest of the months from the community uh, it's a great outreach opportunity uh, good coffee if that's what floats your boat and yeah it's good so come along probably if you have a kid um, uh, but this lady Natasha she comes to our uh, Wednesday kid time I want to read you her story right She starts, this is from a text she sent me, she starts by talking about her husband. He's got a Catholic background, but sort of nominal, because he's really quiet about it, never reads the Bible, just he he knows about God, right? Um, But something about God has taken a hold of him, because she says this, and I'm just going to read out her text message. 
One day I asked him, my husband, uh, why he doesn't get angry with all the adversity around him and how he is so calm all the time, especially because all this adversity involves our families turning against us. They're both divorced and remarried. One's from a Lebanese background, one's from a Persian background, and she said that they're both making it real tough. Uh, And he said, this is why I know myself and my strength is with God. This sentence made me really think, because I always rolled my eyes at anyone who mentioned God or Jesus. Uh, I just thought God was always a punishing God. And so later that week, I turned on the TV and just happened to see a pastor talking about forgiving parents uh, and family feuds and saying it's important to forgive because our parents should be honoured. I was interested because I felt like it was a sign, so I downloaded podcasts and I asked my husband to buy me a Bible. And as soon as I started to read it, even though it was quite unusual to begin with, she'd never read it before, I couldn't put it down, and I'd actually never read any other book in my life. Here's the part I want you to listen to once she started reading the Bible. I went from reading the Old Testament one day to the New the next, to Psalms and Proverbs, and just studied it day and night alone at home. My husband and I talked and discussed what I read because even as a Christian, he never really read the Bible. I had also gone on YouTube and the Bible app and find videos and movies, etc., to help explain things to me. And I literally reset my mind. I'm a new person. It was not easy and it took time. It took me 16 months to read the entire Bible and up to three years of resetting my mind from my old ways. I have four kids and my eldest daughter's from my first marriage. She's watched me change and grow into a better person. In time, I forgave everyone from my parents to my husband's family to whoever I had beef with. I called or texted and just asked for forgiveness and I also forgave everyone from my heart. God has melted my heart. I've cried, I've laughed, I've been astonished and amazed. I've been overwhelmed and amazed just reading the Bible. I've been on a journey that is almost indescribable and it's only just begun as I continue to apply the scriptures to my life. It's pretty powerful, She hasn't been to church, right? She hasn't been to church. She's picked up the Bible and read it. God's word is powerful. And we're like, wow, how cool is that? Yeah, it is. And we should expect it because it's breathed out by God. What a powerful testimony to the powerful work of God's word, right? The reading of God's word brought her to faith. No one sat there and gave her a five-point gospel outline. The reading of God's word brought her to the feet of Jesus and is now transforming her into the likeness of Christ. And so let's get personal for a moment. If, if God's word is useful, how useful is God's word for you? Think back to the psalm that we had up earlier. Flick to Psalm 119 in your Bibles, please. Psalm 119. Should be almost smack bang in the middle of your Bible. <clears throat> I'm just going to run through a few things from verse 97. This is what the author says from verse Verse 97. Uh, he says that I have insight from your word. I have wisdom. I have understanding. Your word keeps me from evil. Uh, Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Insight, understanding, wisdom, keeping you from evil, lamp, light. These are big things about the Bible for the the person who wrote this psalm. I want to know, is this your experience? Do you read God's word and think, this is, this is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. It is sweeter than honey to my mouth. I, I suspect many of us aren't completely sure if they could say the same thing as the psalmist, right? If you're anything like me, sometimes your Bible reading can seem mechanical, 
or boring or frustrating or just a box-ticking exercise, better read the Bible today, I'm a Christian, right? Done it, cool, off to sleep. Uh, And maybe it's because we don't have the same attitude as the psalmist. Because not only does the Word of God transform this psalm author's life, uh, he's got a pretty amazing attitude about it. Have a look, verse 97, he says, he loves God's Word and meditates on it all day long. He says, your commands are always with me. So God's Word is just always with him. I meditate, there's that word again, on your statutes. Verse 100 and 101, I obey your precepts. He listens and does what it says. Uh, Verse 103, your words are sweeter than honey to my mouth. It's good to ask, how does your attitude compare with the attitude in Psalm 119? Do you love it? Do you you really love it? Do you yearn for it? Is it sweeter than honey to your mouth? Do you seek to obey it when you read it? Do you meditate on it all day long? The Hebrew word for meditate is sort of muttering to yourself, talking to yourself, right? Uh, Which might seem a little bit crazy, but just think of that. I want you to think about your self-talk and what you tell yourself and speak about yourself in your head all day. Is it the Bible? Is it what comes from God's Word? Is it what God says about you and who you are and how you should live and how you should act? Or is it something else? When you're muttering to yourself, what are your mutterings? Look, I think the word of, for the Word of God to be useful and come alive in us, we need to make more of an effort than just five minutes before bed. I know you're busy, but it's up, and it's up to you what you do with your time, right? But, but if, you, if you really want to get to the point that this psalmist is at, it takes effort. Rip in, right? Saturate yourself in it. Later this year, I'll be doing a series on spiritual disciplines or, or habits of grace, and we're going to dig deeper into it then. Uh, but for now, just let me share you a couple of tips. First one's going to be like super controversial. Just read the Bible, right? Um, read it every day. Just pick it up and read it. Um, and read with someone else, as we saw in that video before reading. Public reading of scripture, whether it be your spouse or a friend or a community group, reading the Bible together can be a good way for it to uh, get itself into your brain. So read it. Read it with someone else. But read intentionally. Don't just open to a random page. Be thoughtful about it, right? Uh, think of where in the Bible. Maybe start with the Gospel. Start with Mark. You learn about Jesus in half an hour, right? Or however long it takes you to read it. Or you can read an epistle. Or you can read. Uh, and if you don't know where to start, at the end of the night, I'm going to be sitting there. Just come up and say, Kieran, I want to read the Bible. I don't know where to start. Can you tell me what to read? And I will. And that'll make me so happy to have that conversation with you, right? So please come up and I'll, I'll help you find a good part of the Bible for you to sit down and read. So be intentional about it. And, and read small, think big. Daniel said this a few weeks ago. If you've got five minutes to read the Bible, read it for one and reflect for four, right? Uh, so maybe if you've got ten minutes, read for two and reflect for the rest. You do the maths, right? But um, journal and reflect on what you've heard. Think about how it might apply to your life. Pray prayers that come out of what you just learnt. And don't, ex- uh, and don't expect an epiphany every time you read it, right? Uh, saturate yourself with God's word daily, and, and slowly but surely it will begin to define who you are. 
You'll get an email later tonight, and there'll be a post on Facebook uh, with a PDF that Travis and I put together last year with some tips to help you read the Bible. Check your email, uh, NBC Facebook page, it'll be there. Uh, it'll just be some practical tools to help you get the most out of your Bible reading. Give it a go. Give it a stab, right? And see if God's word doesn't taste better than honey to your mouth. Because it's powerful, right? It's powerful because it comes from God's mouth, right? Uh, it's useful, and it enables us to, be, to come to Jesus and be saved. God's word is powerful. And, and now we're going to have a look at the pastor's responsibility. Paul moves to this idea about the pastor's responsibility of handling the word of God. Uh, what should a pastor, the leader of a local church, be doing? Uh, let's have a look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Preach the word. The Greek word preach means to proclaim loudly. Trav does a really good job of that. Um, uh, to proclaim aloud and publicly, right? This is, this is the job of a church leader. And they're to do it in season and out of season. That means even if it's inconvenient, even if it's unpopular, even if it's countercultural, pastors are meant to use the word of God to re- correct, to rebuke, we looked at those before, right? But also to encourage. Uh, encouragement. It's a key way to preach God's word, is to use it to encourage our brothers and sisters. We see the pages of this book, so much to encourage us as Christians, and it's when we read it and apply it to our lives that we are able to find strength and resilience and courage in our day-to-day lives. So we, as pastors, are told to preach God's word and show how it's relevant to your life and how to live it out. Why is it necessary? Look at verses 3 and 4. Paul says this, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. These verses seem to be talking about Christians. They know God's word, but it doesn't suit them. So they search out alternative interpretations and understandings, or maybe even come up with their own watered-down versions. Uh, we can very easily, if we want to do a bad job of interpreting the Bible, we can very easily squeeze any verse or passage or book into, into our own interpretation and make it say what we want to say. Right? There's a line in there that says, eat, drink, and be merry. You can just grab that. It can be your life verse and like, get on with it. Right? Uh, but we need to be careful. And this is why God gives teachers. Historically, we've seen it taken to extremes with Jehovah's Witnesses or, or Mormonisms where the word of God has been the basis, but then it's been completely changed to the denial of the divinity of Christ or whatever else it may be. But we also see it in less extreme forms. Christian brothers and sisters can emphasize a certain doctrine or a certain part of the Bible over the other one. Uh, I've seen it happen with prayer where people will take the concept of prayer and really misconstrue it and, and it burns Christians when they do that. Uh, they could emphasize church growth at the expense of good teaching. They could emphasize a deep, hardcore doctrine at the expense of justice and love. They could emphasize God's judgment over his grace. And, and the list goes on. This is why we need to have God's word clearly read and preached well. Now, don't get me wrong, reading your Bible on your own is powerful and helpful. We've already seen from that lady's testimony that it will change your life when you do it. But Scripture also makes it clear that, that God has put people in, in place who have been called, trained, and gifted 
uh, to help us grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and of our faith. This is what your pastors have been called to do. And it's something we don't take lightly. It's, it's actually a pretty hectic responsibility to stand before you and to teach God's breathed-out words to you. As part of our service reforms, Leon mentioned last week, we've allocated service pastors. We reckon it's important that for a shepherd to know their flock and the flock to know their shepherd. And doing this is going to help us tailor how we preach God's word to you uh, and how we care for you, right? Trav's taking pastoral oversight in the morning, me in the evening, Leon's going to be across both and leading us as a pastoral team. I'm super excited about intentionally pastoring you for the evening service. Uh, but it's a huge responsibility. So the Bible makes it clear that I'm to be held accountable for everything I say. And I want you to know that I take that seriously. I love you deeply. Uh, and I know that the best thing for you, actually all of us, is to have a deep understanding of God's word and how it applies to our lives. And so I'll preach all the scripture to you. We'll do it as a church pastoral team, right? Uh, we do it because we're convinced of the power of the Word of God to change and to bring people to faith. We'll do it in season and out of season. We'll preach Old Testament, New Testament, easy stuff, hard stuff, nice stuff, controversial stuff. And we see it as part of our pastoral care, our way of caring for you as a congregation to teach you and to help you grow so that you won't wander away and follow false teachings, to encourage you when it's not easy to be a Christian, to challenge you when you're being lazy and complacent, to comfort you when you're broken. Sometimes you'll hear the word of God preach and it'll strike a blow and it'll, oh, how good was that? It's exactly what I wanted to hear. Other times you'll hear the word of God and think, yeah, it's exactly what old mate next to me needs to hear, right? Probably happens quite a bit. Uh, but, but we're committed to preach to you uh, all of God's breathed out words because, as I said before, we love you and we want to see you hold firm to the truth of Jesus. And so hold us accountable to this. We're going to be doing it. We're going to be preaching you the word of God and we, we want to do it well. God's word's powerful. Pastors have a responsibility with it. And so how's it going to look here at NBC? What are we going to do about that? If it's such a big deal, what are we going to do about it? What I'm about to run through with you is nothing new. Uh, we've been practicing for a while. We just haven't really made it explicit. And Katie mentioned it a little bit earlier. It's what's known, if you like terms, as the regulative principle for worship, Right? I don't expect you to remember that. Uh, but you'll see it on your, uh, on your sermon note sheets there. And it's, it's five things. Five things that we want to do because we take the word of God seriously and we believe it should be the centre of our ministry here at NBC. It's this. Read the word, preach the word, pray the word, sing the word, and see the word. Read the word, right? We saw that video earlier. God's word's powerful, it's breathed out. Just sitting and hearing the word read can do stuff to us. Powerful stuff to us. This is why we include the reading of the Bible in every uh, church service we run. Preach the word. That's what this whole message is about, right? But something worth saying is that we believe that as a church we should have a balanced diet from the scriptures. Which means the New Testament, Old Testament theological sermons where we explain a certain theology or doctrine, topical where we approach a different topic in light of a biblical text. You'll notice that most of our preaching and teaching here is what's called topic, uh, sorry, not topical, expository, right? Expository. Expository is where you work through a passage. You understand its initial, uh, its meaning for the original audience and how it applies to our life. We'll take a passage and we'll work our way through it 
and see what God has to say to us through that. Now, if you've grown up in Narrabeen, you'd probably, you might be surprised to know that that's not the practice of every church. Uh, but we believe that it's probably the clearest and best way to get to the meat of God's Word and to understand Scripture as a whole so we don't get too hung up on single issues or certain doctrines. So we'll preach the Word, a good, balanced diet, and we'll pray the Word. When we pray, our prayers will be biblical. That means we'll pray to God as He's revealed in the Bible. We're not going to pray for things or claim things that aren't clearly biblical. We're going to follow the Bible's outline for prayer uh, that we see in the Psalms and in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, This means we'll pray prayers of adoration and praise to God. It means we'll confess in prayer publicly together to God that we'll pray for one another and lift up prayers for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we'll pray the Word and we'll sing the Word. Our songs are to be biblical. They'll be firmly based on the truth that's laid forth in the Bible. We're not going to sing songs just because they sound good or because they make you feel good or you're at a conference once and they play this song and the vibe was sick. Um, but, but we're going to do them because they're biblical. And, and, and often all of those things line up. And we're super thankful here to have worship leaders who love the Word of God and 99% of the songs they choose are Christ-centered and Bible-focused, right? Uh, and so we're stoked about that. But that's why our songs are always about Jesus, uh, and based on biblical truths. So we'll sing the Word, and we're going to see the Word as well. That's the fifth one. See the Word refers to things like baptism, communion, hearing someone's testimony, uh, gathering together in fellowship. So where we see the Word of God active and alive in people's lives. We're going to read the Word, preach the Word, pray the Word, sing the Word, see the Word. Everything we do when we gather on a Sunday is going to be based around the Word. Not because we hold up this book on some sort of pedestal or that it's magical. or No, because it teaches about Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who can give us the life that we were created to live. And so as a pastor, as Paul instructs me, my commitment to you is to, is to run services like that and to preach the Word clearly, in season, out of season to equip you as a Christian and to help you to come to know God if you're not a Christian. And so my challenge to you is to be on board with that. Not just here on Sundays, but, but all day, every day. Be saturated with the Word of God so that when you come together on Sundays, we can, we can share our stories of the work of God in our life together. We can send each other texts like Natasha's text to me about the power of God's work in our lives as we read His Word, inspired by the Spirit, to make us more like Him. And I pray that you come on this journey with me. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word that you've so graciously revealed to us uh, through your scriptures. We pray that we will be people who love your word. But I pray that you'll give us a hunger for it. And that when we taste it, it will come across as sweeter than honey to our mouths. Help us to listen, to obey, and to draw nearer to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's revealed within its pages. I pray that we will always be a church that takes this seriously, that takes your timeless truth and applies it to our lives in the 21st century so that we may be faithful disciples of Christ on mission together. And we pray it in his name. Amen.